Welcome to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe life is better when you love the way you look, style doesn't have to be complicated, and getting dressed can actually be fun. It's time to ditch that closet full of nothing to wear and instead create a fabulous functional wardrobe that makes you feel stylish, confident, and ready for anything. I'm your host, Jennifer Mary, and I've been dressing real women for almost 20 years. There isn't a body type or wardrobe challenge I haven't seen. And in this podcast, I'll share practical lessons from my journey that you can use to make creating a look you love easier than you ever imagined. Get ready to love getting dressed again. Hey there. Thank you for joining another episode of the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe that style should be easy and getting dressed can be fun. Today, we're finishing up our lecture series on body types, covering the pair. We're continuing our vocabulary series on sleeve types and covering a trend that will be sticking around for a while in current events. But first, let's check your homework from the last episode. Again, if you haven't listened to episodes two and three, I highly encourage you to do so. So many women get their body types wrong and follow advice that's not meant for them. Also, I want to encourage you to listen to all the body type episodes. They'll help you understand your body shape better. And in each episode, I've shared tips that apply to all bodies that you don't want to miss. The other homework was just for our self-described apples. And that was to go through your closet, look at your favorite pieces, as well as the ones you just don't love for some reason. Hopefully you saw some connections with guidelines I shared last week. I'd love to hear your thoughts on which tips you found helpful. Head over to the Everyday Style Lounge on Facebook and join the conversation. The link is in the show notes. There are probably patterns in your wardrobe, certain fits, necklines, or silhouettes that you come back to time and time again without even realizing it. When you recognize those patterns, it makes shopping for a flattering wardrobe so much easier. Okay, let's start today's episode, as always, with lessons from Linda. Today's Linda called me because she was a stay-at-home mom who had lost her style mojo. She used to be cute when she had a job and a reason to get dressed. But then, like a lot of us, once she stayed home and had a baby, she didn't see the need to put herself together. Her body was different, and let's face it, not as much fun to dress as it used to be, and she'd fallen into what I lovingly referred to as the frump slump. Raise your hand if you've been there. Yep, me too. One day, Linda had what I call the Humpty Dumpty moment. Let me explain. The Humpty Dumpty moment is when you realize how shattered you are and you want to put yourself back together again. Maybe it's coming out of the baby toddler haze. Maybe you've gone through a tough season of life, but one day you realize you're ready to be whole again. I truly believe that the first thing to do when you have that Humpty Dumpty moment is get dressed in a way that makes you feel good. It doesn't solve everything. I'm the first to admit that. But the mindset shift that happens when you put on proper pants is so powerful. Anyway, Linda had her Humpty Dumpty moment and called me. She was ready to feel like herself again, but didn't know where to start. So she started with me. Linda was convinced, like a lot of my clients, that she had nothing decent in her closet. But like 99% of my clients, she was dead wrong. There was a ton of good stuff in her closet to work with, and she had a phenomenal jewelry collection too. After we got through all the clothes, we make outfits. And as I was doing that, I would say, you could wear this necklace or that necklace, or why don't you try these bracelets? And she kept saying, I can't. My daughter would pull on it. I can't. My daughter would break it. I was a little confused because I didn't think she had a baby. So I said, well, how, how old is your daughter? And she said, she's six. She's in kindergarten. Friends, at six, you have a discipline problem, not an accessories problem. 
My youngest is seven and would not dream of hanging off of my necklaces. And she wouldn't have for years. Your child is old enough at six not to wreck the things you are wearing. Now, before you send the strongly worded emails, I understand that there are special circumstances. You may have a child with special needs. You may have octuplets. I don't know. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that we, as mothers, allow our children to treat us in a way that we would not let them treat other people. I'm guessing if Linda's daughter pulled the necklace of a stranger, Linda would have spoken up. I gently suggested that Linda wear the necklace and tell her daughter, don't touch that, if she grabbed it. She agreed to try my plan, and when I followed up with her a couple weeks later, she said she was wearing necklaces every day and her daughter was leaving them alone. There are two lessons I want you to take away from this, Linda. First, even if you have children, you are allowed to be a person, a person with boundaries, who deserves respect, and deserves to wear things you like. The baby years are different, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But I've seen children use their mother's clothes as a napkin to wipe their hands and sometimes even a Kleenex to blow their nose. Again, there's a difference between in a pinch at the park and a common daily occurrence. The things I have seen are in homes with bathrooms and paper products close by. What are we teaching our kids if we're allowing them to treat us with no respect at all? The idea that we have to give up everything for our kids, including the ability to wear light colors because our kids repeatedly wipe Cheeto dust on our clothes which is a true story, is crazy to me. There's no medal for sacrificing every ounce of yourself, and I think children benefit by seeing their moms as real people. The second thing I want you to take away from this, Linda, is that you constantly have to reevaluate what stage you're in and dress accordingly. You know what I think? I don't think Linda's daughter had a necklace-pulling problem as a kindergarten. I think she did when she was a baby and a toddler, and Linda put those things away, which was appropriate at the time, but forgot that things have changed. When you have newborns and infants, your wardrobe choices are limited to what you can breastfeed in and what you can wash easily when you get spit up on. But those times change. Gradually, you get spit up on less and you're not carrying a baby as much anymore. They become more independent and your ability to choose different clothes evolves. On my client questionnaire, I often hear that women need clothes they can play on the floor with, with their kids in. Then they say their kids are like 8, 10, 12. No one's playing on the floor with kids at those ages. The kids aren't even playing on the floor at those ages. We get so stuck in mom of little kids mode that we forget to reevaluate. So if you're a woman who's making wardrobe choices based on your kids, I want you to take a minute to ask yourself, am I still in that phase? Am I still in the phase that everything has to be machine washed, tumble dryable? Or could I buy that top that needs to be hung to dry? You might find yourself ready for a wardrobe upgrade. Okay, let's move on to the word of the week in our vocabulary lesson. Last week, we kicked off a vocabulary series on sleeves. Remember, we're talking about the seam at the shoulder, not necessarily length or shape. This line makes a big difference in flattering your shoulders and upper body. And last week, we talked about the most common neutral default sleeve that is the basis for the comparison of all the others. So if you haven't listened to episode five, you'll probably want to do that. Today, since it's summer, we're talking about cap sleeves. Ladies, cap sleeves are so controversial. Some websites say that they make everyone's shoulders look like a linebacker, and others say they're the most flattering sleeve ever. You're going to have to decide which side you're on. I'd love to hear your thoughts in the Everyday Style Lounge. Check the show notes for the link. Also, in case you're not sure what cap sleeves are and want a visual, there is a link in the show notes for examples. Today, I want to talk about what a cap sleeve is so you know what to look for, and my thoughts as a real-life stylist on who they work best for. 
A cap sleeve is a short sleeve that usually has a regular set-in sleeve at the shoulder, but while the top of the sleeve extends a short distance from that seam, it tapers to nothing under the armpit. This conversation today is one half shoulder seam discussion and a little bit of sleeve length, but it's an important one to know. All right, in my opinion, how flattering this sleeve is depends on how long the cap is and where the outside edge of that sleeve falls on your shoulder. There are some cap sleeves that kind of look like a shoulder pad covering the whole shoulder, and then they end in a horizontal line on the upper arm. There are others that are almost like a wide tank top strap with a little extra material that end in a diagonal line on the upper arm. Let's talk about the horizontal ones first. What do we know about horizontal lines? Say it with me, ladies. Never put a horizontal line across the widest part of anything unless you want to draw attention to it or make it look bigger. So if you've got super toned Michelle Obama arms or really matchstick skinny arms and you want to bulk up a little bit, horizontal cap sleeves aren't a problem. On the other hand, if your upper arm isn't as firm or as lean as you would like and you'd rather not draw attention to it and make it look bigger, don't put a horizontal cap sleeve across it. Diagonal lines, on the other hand, move the eye up and down, much like vertical lines. So they actually visually thin out and lengthen the upper arm. To me, that's a win in my book. However, the cap sleeve can make your shoulders look a little bit broader, so beware of that. If you've got narrow shoulders and upper arms you don't love, this could be a great style for you. Even as a woman with broader shoulders, I love a diagonal cap sleeve. I like a strong shoulder line, and the lengthening effect of the diagonal works really well for me, but that's, that's just me. Do what works best for you. Also, if you're a woman with a large bust, traditional short sleeves might be making that area appear even bigger because of the whole, whole horizontal line right at the bust thing. Try the diagonal cap sleeve. You might find that this works really, really well for you. Again, I'd love to hear your thoughts and questions on the cap sleeve in the Style Lounge. Friends, it is time to talk about a trend that I think is going to change your entire wardrobe. Let's head to current events. All right, today we are talking about wide leg pants. Around four years ago or so, I started reading articles in high fashion magazines and online sites about the death of skinny jeans. Skinnies were out, they said. Nobody's wearing skinnies anymore. Wide legs and flares are on their way back. Every once in a while, I'd have one of my followers email me or message me and say, are skinny jeans really over? And I'd say, you know, for real women like us, no, not yet. You'll still be wearing your skinnies for a while. Then I watched as flares came and went in the stores, but didn't catch on in a big way, and skinnies still reigned supreme. Then last fall, wide legs became widely available in the stores where real people like you and me shop, and they seem to be staying. So if you're listening and thinking this trend isn't trendy at all, nobody's been wearing skinnies for years, you are right, but you're probably also listening to the wrong podcast. On the Everyday Style School, we focus on the way 99% of us dress. So when I talk about a trend, I'm talking about what's current for my Lindas, the women who shop at Loft, who shop at Target, who shop at Old Navy, um, Nordstrom. I'm not talking about you know what's been in vogue for years, because let's face it, that doesn't really have a huge effect on real women's wardrobes. So the wide leg silhouette is everywhere this season, especially the wide leg crops. After so many years of skinny pants, this look is a bit of a shock and you may be tempted just to just ignore it, which is fine. But before you do, think about this. 
those skinnies you think aren't trendy, they were in 2008 and everyone was like, no way, Jose, I'm not showing off my butt like that. I'll stick to my boot cuts. They're a classic. And those boot cuts you wouldn't part with, they were trendy in 1998 when we were all like, what's with all that extra stuff at the bottom? Not me. I'm sticking to my classic straight legs. I guess what I'm saying is that every big change to what we've been seeing for 10 years takes some time to get used to. Sometimes you just have to let your eyes and your mind adjust. Fashion always evolves. And just because you like or are used to something doesn't mean it's a classic. It's just a trend that stuck around and you got used to. Don't close your mind to new things too quickly. I also want to point out that what's current in silhouettes of tops, bottoms, and shoes all kind of evolves together. Do you remember when skinnies became a thing? No one wanted to show their rear, so long tops were everywhere. Also, you can track the rise of skinny jeans right along with tall boots. Well, knee-high boots haven't looked current for a couple of years now, and long tops are giving way to shorter silhouettes, tie waist, crops, things that end higher on the hip. Why? Because you don't wear wide leg pants with a long top or high boots. They all evolve together. How long is it going to last? Should I invest in that? I have no idea. This may be a time in fashion that works for you, or this may be a tougher look. I would encourage you to try it. There will always be clothes out there to fit and flatter you. There will always be skinnies, even if wide legs are popular. Boot cuts didn't go anywhere. You could still buy them in all the stores for the last 10 years. So you can, you can find what works for you, even if it's not the trendiest look. And that's okay. Now, for those of you who are ready to get with the program and get on the wide leg train, here are a few tips to help you do so. First, summer is a great time to try this trend. Footwear is going to be trickier in fall and winter because we're all used to the shoes we wear with a slimmer leg, but summer's a little bit easier to work with. Full-length wide legs look great with flat sandals or heels, but please ditch the dollar flip-flops. You know, those drive me crazy. If you are going for like a cropped or an ankle look, it's a little trickier. These pants paired with flats can make you look and feel a little squatty. However, pair them with a little bit of a heel and you'll find you get your leg length back. If you don't feel stumpy in wide leg crops, they actually look great paired with sneakers, flats, heels, really anything. It's a great way to show off great shoes. It brings all the attention right there. When you're pairing them with tops, watch the length. Another shift we've seen is the idea of voluminous tops paired with voluminous bottoms. We've usually, in the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years, volume in one area only. So this is a big change. So I don't want you to think you have to wear form-fitting tops with your wide legs. But long oversized tops that hit like below the hip line, they don't work so well. This summer, we're seeing a lot of tops with tie hems. And this is a great way to kind of bring in that volume to find your waist a little bit and stop that huge billowy look or just kind of give it a half tuck, give your top a half tuck so you're not just one big square of drapey fabric. If you try the trend, post a picture in the Style Lounge. We'd love to see it. All right. I'll be back in just a second to conclude our body shape series. Hey, you probably already know that capsule wardrobes give you a foolproof plan for an effortlessly stylish wardrobe. They save you time, money, and morning stress, but they do so much more than that. I'd like to read you a post from the capsule wardrobe community group from Pam R. Pam says, one of the added perks of the capsule is self-confidence. I've always struggled with worrying about what I'm wearing. Am I dressed appropriately? Does it look nice? Is it super dated? Today, we're going to an event at a winery. Before the capsule, I would have been panicked and might have even gone shopping for something new to wear. Today, I just pulled out a great outfit, white jeans, jean jacket, mustard shoes, and a top from last summer's capsule. I looked put together and felt great. Yesterday, we were painting a room. We had to leave the house a few times. 
Each time I took off the paint clothes and put back on my capsule outfit. I just feel better about me when I know I look nice in what I'm wearing. Thanks so much for the capsules. Well, thank you, Pam, for your kind words. And if you want what Pam's got going on, visit my website and grab the latest capsule guide, which is the summer, just came out. Don't forget to use code podcast for $15 off of your first capsule purchase. Why not try a new way of getting dressed? The link's in the show notes. Today, we're going to finish the Everyday Style Lecture Series by talking about the fourth, last but not least, body shape, the pair. You know, every once in a while, I get an email upset that I'm comparing bodies to fruit, and haven't we moved beyond that, and can't we describe them differently? Here's the deal. I don't think the name of a fruit defines you in any way, and if it offends you, feel free to skip this series, but the reality is, these are terms that most people know and understand. I have a book that calls this body type the perfume bottle. If I said, today we're talking about the perfume bottle, you'd be like, huh, what? What does that mean? So I use words that we all know to cut down confusion. Calling someone an apple or a pear isn't a judgment. It's just a commonly understood term. When the whole world adopts new terms, I will get on board. I have no desire to be a trendsetter in this department. Before we get started, remember, use this information as flexible guidelines, not unbreakable rules. Do what suits you best, and if you love something, wear it. Use the guidelines as a starting point and focus on putting together a look you love with dressing your body shape being just one part of the equation. Today, we are talking about the pear body shape. This is the second most common of all shapes after the rectangle slash hour tangle body type. One thing I have to say about women with this body type, and you know I love you dearly, is that they are more tied to quote unquote rules than anyone else. When I have a client who is not only stuck, but cemented in her style ways, chances are she's a pair. A few weeks ago, I I sent out an email asking the biggest style dilemmas my women were facing. The only specific body type that came back as a challenge, and it came back almost 50 times, was dressing the pair shape. How to buy pants for a pair. How to dress modestly for a pair. How to buy swimsuits for a pair. How to buy tops for a pair. Best shoes for a pair. You get the idea. Often I have to tell women that they're overthinking style so much that they're taking all the fun out of it. And when I do, it's usually a pair. This is based on nothing but my own experience, but pairs seem to think that their bodies are so uniquely weird and challenging that no one has ever seen anything like it. And there's no clothes out there for it. And tough love time, that's just not true. A lot of pairs are still stuck in a mindset of 10 to 15 years ago when different cuts of pants weren't a thing and it was challenging to buy pieces that fit and flattered. But with all love and respect, ladies, that isn't the case anymore. If you're a pair who is so tied to the rules, I want to encourage you to lighten up, to try new things. Strangers on the street will not run and shield their children's eyes if you wear skinny jeans. So hopefully today's guidelines, again, will just be taken as guidelines, will help you and not put extra constraints on you. Let's start with a description of a pair. Pairs are bigger on the bottom than they are on the top. If you go to the store and buy a two-piece swimsuit, nine times out of 10, a pair will choose at least one size larger on the bottom. Pairs get the gap in the back, meaning if pants and jeans fit you through the hip, unless they're a curvy cut, they're always too big in the waist. Pairs usually have a well-defined waist, and more commonly, it's high, closer to the rib cage than to the belly button or hip bones. Typically, pairs love their arms, their collarbones, and their waist. Pairs do not typically love their legs. There aren't a ton of variations on this body type, which makes giving advice a lot easier. The goal for dressing this shape is to create more balance between your upper and lower halves, but still have a defined waist. So many pairs want to hide their hips, so they cover everything up in oversized pieces, 
but just like our hourglass sisters from episode four, that just obliterates your narrowest point and makes you feel big and boxy. Highlighting the waist while bringing the eye up is usually the best plan. I want to encourage you pairs to go back and listen to the hourglass episode for additional top guidelines because you can apply a lot of them. So let's talk about what to wear starting at the top. Pairs, you have a ton of options when it comes to necklines. Since most pairs have smallish busts and long necks, you can go for high or closed necklines like crew necks, turtlenecks, and mock turtlenecks. Boat necks that have a very straight horizontal line from shoulder to shoulder are really good as well as they make your shoulders look broader, balancing out your body. You can wear scoop necks and v-necks, but I want you to watch out for two open necklines that show a lot of chest. If you are very small busted, they're going to make you look even smaller busted and make your body look a little more disproportionate. Details on the top are great for you, like gathered or poof sleeves, gathers under the bust, wrapped waist. Last week, I said I normally keep tops basic for apples and put attention grabbing details on the bottom. It's exactly the opposite for you pairs. Go for big patterns, stripes, graphics, you name it on top. The goal is to draw the eye up, to draw the attention there. Often when I'm working with clients who are smaller on the top and high-waisted, as many pairs are, I go for petite sizes for tops and dresses. I've mentioned this in the hourglass episode, but it often works to raise the the waistline. And I'm sorry. Often when I'm working with clients who are smaller on top and high-waisted, as many pairs are, I go for petite sizes on top for tops and dresses. I mentioned this in the hourglass episode, but it often works to raise the waistline and detailing to fit a pair's body best. If you're struggling with sizes like a medium is too small, but the large is too big, try a petite large. Obviously, this works better in the summer when we're not as worried about sleeve length, but it's worth a try year-round, and it's a trick that's really helpful for a lot of pairs. Fitted knit tops or blouses with waist details or princess seaming are great because they'll highlight your waist, but if you want to go for something looser, stay away from things that are too oversized and look for some tailoring, whether it's a strong shoulder line, tight sleeves on the forearm, a banded bottom. The goal is to not lose your shape entirely. In cooler weather, chunky knit sweaters look amazing on you. All of those really fun, like holiday kind of, you know, snowflake prints, your body type wears those best. Tops also with a peplum work for most pairs really well. When thinking about the length of your top, when you're wearing roomier bottoms like boyfriend jeans or a wide leg trouser, you can absolutely tuck or half tuck your top. If you're wearing skinny bottoms and prefer your tops untucked, be careful about putting horizontal line across the widest part of your hips. We talked about that earlier. I always tell my clients to go right above or right below the widest point, even if it's just a couple of inches. For pairs with narrow or sloping shoulders, make sure you choose jackets with a strong shoulder line. I always love military style jackets for my pairs. The banded collar and shoulder detail brings the eye up and creates perfect balance. Belted jackets are great for pairs as long as the belt hits in the right spot on your torso. If you're high-waisted and feel like you're belting your boobs, go for styles with princess seams to define your waist instead. One thing to consider about jackets, and this is for all body types, is that the size of, of the lapel should be inverse to the width of your shoulders. Let me explain. If you're a woman with very broad shoulders, go for a jacket with a, a narrow lapel or none at all. On the other hand, if you're a woman with narrow shoulders, like most pairs, you can put some volume or emphasis there with a wider lapel or shawl collar jacket. If there's a jacket you love with a a narrow or skinny lapel, make sure it's cut really close to your neck and not farther out on your shoulders. Now for dresses, 
again, I know I say it every week, but it's so true. The waist of the dress has to fit the waist of your body. If you don't have a waist, neither should your dress. For pairs, A-line dresses almost always work as they're fitted through the bust and then flare out over the hips and thighs. High-waisted pairs do really well in ampere waist dresses, which I talked about in the Apple episode, or dresses that have a knot or gathers or wrap right below the bust. Sheath dresses are probably your biggest challenge. If they fit in the hip, they gap everywhere else. I would avoid those. One thing I love for pairs is matching skirt and top sets. Like if you're going to a wedding, there are so many cute top and skirt sets that look like a dress. That way you can customize the fit with a smaller top and a bigger skirt. Now for bottoms, I know this is the big challenge for pairs. Pairs, curvy pants were made for you. Listen to the Hourglass episode for additional details. Pairs often have challenges with muffin top though, and jeans that are too low rise will make the problem even worse. Look for mid to high rise pants. My favorite brand of jeans for pairs is NYDJ, which I will link to in the show notes. I find pairs to be the most stuck in their ways when it comes to bottoms. They think they have to wear bootcut jeans and nothing else would be flattering. While bootcuts are good, there are so many other styles you can wear. I love my pairs and boyfriend jeans. They give a super cool roominess that hides the areas that you don't love, and they look good with pretty much every shoe. Also, volume isn't always better, especially for petite pairs. I remember one client who came to an event I was hosting. She was looking for dress pants. She tried trouser leg after trouser leg, and she always looked like she was swimming or really drowning in them. I pulled a pair of skinny ankle pants and a longer top, paired it with a waist-length blazer, and she looked amazing. Don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to try different styles, but consider that you have to switch out all of your proportions. She was used to bigger pants and smaller tops. We flipped the script and it absolutely worked. If you do want to do slimmer bottoms, darker is better. If you want lighter colors, go for more volume on the bottom. The same trick I shared last week for apples to balance out your body works for pears too. That's to add a little volume at the bottom of the leg. For instance, rolling your skinny jeans, it stops the taper look from hip to to ankle and straightens you out, as will wearing a chunky ankle boot or a statement shoe. If you don't feel comfortable in skinny pants or they don't fit right, that's okay. Try a slimmer straight leg, which will often fit a pair like a skinny. Pairs often have troubles with pockets on pants. If they're on the side seam, they pucker and poke out. Some options to help you fix that are, number one, make sure your pants are a curvy cut. That will cut down a lot of that puckering. Number two, have them or keep them stitched close. I know it's not as convenient, but I know you hate the pucker as well. You got to decide which is more important to you. Number three, look for pants that have a diagonal pocket from seam to waistband or a horizontal welt pocket. The other challenge pairs have is is the whiskering and pulling across the hip and thigh area. The most important for this is to make sure you're in curvy cut bottoms. If you are in curvies and they're still whiskering and puckering across that area, size up. You may need to take the waist in a little bit when you go up a size, but the hip and thigh will fit much better. Finally, with the to get rid of that whiskering and stretching, look for fabrics with less stretch. A more structured fabric won't do that. All right, for skirts, volume is your friend. Look for skirts that are fitted in the waist but have volume over the hip and thigh, like A-lines, pleated styles, voluminous maxis or middies. One note though, pleats look better when they're stitched down from waist, probably a few inches down to your hip. One look that I love for pairs, and it shouldn't work but it does, is a pencil skirt that ends right below the knee paired with a longer tunic style blouse or top. 
pair it with a pointy-toed heel, and this combo is perfection. I have no idea why this works because it should be the opposite of everything that works for pairs, but it's absolutely gorgeous. Give it a try. All right, a few final tips for you pairs. Belts can be amazing, but only if your waist isn't high. If your waist is high, again, you're going to feel like you're belting your boobs. Don't do it. When it comes to jewelry, I prefer shorter styles for pairs in earrings and necklaces because they draw the eyes up to the face and your beautiful shoulders and neck, and they create balance. Okay, there you go. Hopefully this episode has given you a few ideas to make shopping simpler. Your homework this week, if you are a pair, is to go through your closet quickly, look for your favorite pieces. Do they fit the guidelines? Also look for the pieces you don't love. Could it be they're not best for you? If you'd like an extra challenge, do a little online shopping with some of the ideas you learned today and see if anything jumps out at you. That's it. Have a great week and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Style School podcast. Class is dismissed for the day, but if you'd like to continue the conversation, head over to my free Facebook group, The Everyday Style Lounge. You can also visit my website for show notes, downloads, and links to resources we discussed during the episode. Go to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast. Finally, be sure to subscribe to The Style School wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, I'd love if you'd leave a review and even share with your friends. Thanks so much. We'll see you back in class next week.